Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw Audio Experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. I want to welcome you back to another episode of what I've branded Pivotal, since these interview-style segments tackle impactful CPG industry topics and lessons from the business leaders that live it every day. As we close out another exciting quarter within the functional CPG space, it only seemed right that I ask my good friend and market insights director at SPIN, Scott Dicker, to join me again. Instead of kind of doing another one of those like broad stroke active nutrition, like state of the union type content pieces, we decided to deep dive into one or I guess two categories that have been on fire lately and are also personal favorites of both of ours. If you haven't guessed by now, we're talking energy drinks and sports drinks. In our conversation, we cover everything from recent categorical scan data trends to how the fall in beer consumption could be impacting energy drink growth rates, plus the evolution and democratization of these beverage categories. We also explore if energy drinks or the broader energy everything concept has now become a must have and not a nice to have consumer purchase decision. These are just some of the fascinating topics we chatted about in this episode, but without further delay, here is my recent conversation with Market Insights Director at Spins, Scott Dicker. So just kind of start off by welcome back, Scott. Appreciate you uh, joining me again for another one of our kind of collab sessions here. I know that people really enjoyed last one. So I figured we got to give the people what they want and we got to do it again. So now we're on this like kind of quarterly cadence, uh, I guess you could say. Uh, This time we're going to kind of focus on the energy drinks and sports drinks, I guess only or kind of mostly, I guess. But welcome back so much josh a pleasure being back on and you know always always fun to do these things so let's get started so i think a good place to kind of kick it off would be to go back in time a little bit i know that anybody that watches my kind of content or listens to it they know i love to kind of go back to some of that historical linkages or or just to set the foundation because i feel like there's a ton of evolution that's happened in these categories and it's important for everybody to understand kind of where they came from. I know that, you know, some people might know some of these things or not, but the evolution, or I guess the start of these categories, um, have been around for a little bit of time. I know that the energy drink space, it started, I think we could consider in the U S market was in the mid nineties, like 96, 97, when Red Bull came over, but Red Bull has, you know, its origin story, I think in the mid seventies, 
uh, in Thailand. And then uh, I think originally the name Red Bull came up in Austria in, in the 87, I, I think. So, you know, these categories are relatively newer, I guess, if we want to consider them against some of the more established beverage categories. Um, and then the Gatorade, you know, was the inventor of, I guess, the sports drink side. And, and a lot of people, I think at this point, know the founding story. They've well chronicled that through commercials and everything that started in, I think it's 65 with the University of Florida. And, and I'm not going to retrace all that kind of stuff. But these categories, I mean, they've been around for a while, but they still are, are relatively new. And I think that most of the action probably have really happened in the last let's say about 20-ish or so years in both of these categories and then in energy drinks probably in the last 10 years. What do you think have been like some of those big leaps or big jumps that have happened within the sports and energy drinks category over this like time period? I think that, first of all, I didn't know that about Red Bull starting over over in Asia. So that's, that's a, a new tidbit for me. So that's interesting. I like you. I remember, you know, those first Red Bull give you gives you wings commercials coming on in the '90s. That was my first uh, my first knowledge of energy drinks, and we've definitely seen it seen it really expand. And so, you know, you saw, you know, a few of the big competitors came out you know, shortly shortly thereafter, and they really dominated the market up until I think what was it, last five years, something like that, or five ten years, uh, maybe if we're if we're being generous. And so, so the big difference, I think, is that, or, or to me, what's what really stands out is that there's a lot of innovation coming from brands that are not the typical big CPG beverage companies. And so you're seeing those coming from the sports nutrition side, not to delve too far into the past conversation, but having having seen so much of that innovation come out of that. Um, you know, it, it's really different than certain other categories where, where you know, in the past they were they were really brought in by a lot of those kind of bigger CPG companies, and so you see now a lot of the innovation coming from from brands that are you know came up in the specialty segment, came up you know D to C, and so those are some of the things that I really think are, are interesting, and I also find interesting how um, you know one thing I was just like thinking about the other day is how the caffeine content. You know, has kind of changed. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Red Bull only has like 80, 80 milligrams yeah. of caffeine, something like that. And so, when you compare that to to what's out there today, that's a very, very modest uh, dose of caffeine. Um, but that being said, I think like a lot of the innovation that we're seeing in the last year, two years, even three years, has kind of settled in more that 200 level. Uh, whereas for a while, you know, especially during Bang's Bang's rise, um, we were we were getting up to 300. I think that that a lot of these brands are finding kind of a sweet sweet spot middle ground around 200. So that's something that's really been sticking out to me. Curious to to know your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess the the speed of evolution or the speed of innovation that's happened. If we're talking, you know, with the energy drink side, you know, it really was caffeinated sugar water. Uh, you know, carbonated <laughs> caffeinated sugar water for a long period of time. I think that it took Red Bull. Um, and maybe it was Monster and, and Rockstar, you know, quite a bit of time before they had even like a sugar-free uh, version that they used, you know, some artificial sweeteners or, or things like that. And then that was for a while was was it, you know, you kind of just had those two variants and then they started to 
you know, play around with flavors and, you know, Monster Ultra probably was the one that really took the lead on those ones. But those were long jumps between those things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you had arguably probably Bang that, you know, created this performance energy drink category. And then that kind of took off from there where most of the innovation now is, is coming from, like you mentioned, you know, sports or active nutrition brands that are a lot more, I guess, you know, closer to the consumer in terms of some of these more advanced needs or wants, and they're able to play around with, you know, ingredient combinations or, or different things and kind of incubate it within a more niche space and then take that and move it into mainstream. And now you're seeing, you know, things move very quickly. I think that we're going to have these like life cycles jump pretty quickly, but at the beginning, it really was long periods of time where you had like, you know, singular SKUs or just, you know, a few SKUs. Uh, and now you have, you know, people have 10, 15, 20 flavors um, and they have multiple different variants of, of sizes and, and some sub brands that have different, you know, value propositions and, and all that. So it's gotten a lot more clustered or, or you know, th there's just a lot more optionality out there for consumers that, I think it's a good thing. I think that consumers, obviously, I think at this point drive the the markets. Um, you know, I think it's no longer you know a brand you know just decides this is going to be your one or two products and you're going to enjoy that. Now with the kind of endless aisles or infinite choice, now there's so many different things and consumers can pick kind of what they're looking for. So brands are now you know kind of skating on ice and trying to figure out what do we offer to these customers that are different and unique and exciting. And that's really pushing, you know, both sides of this you know, conversation of the categories forward. But I think energy drinks arguably have a little bit more to play with, I think. Um, and that's why you're seeing that probably be more aggressive on that side. And you're seeing, you know, we were walking around Expo West and you saw energy drinks popping up, you know, all over the place and people are trying with you know with super mushrooms different nootropics uh different sweeteners like you mentioned you know still artificials are still you know very dominant you know in a lot of the uh energy drink space so, so you're looking to people to try some of these more natural sweeteners or maybe maybe even something that's not sweetened in general and so you know these are some of the big things but you know to your point any store you go into that sells food and food and drinks has so many different offerings. If you just had like your normal version or maybe and then maybe a zero sugar version, you kind of get lost on the shelf now. And so, you know, it's interesting to for me to see, you know, how these brands are trying to stick out. You know, I, I know that, you know, we've talked in the past, you know, a lot of them did like the flavor collabs. That's really gained some steam. Uh, I know I think again, you and I are both on the on the train where that can't last forever. Um, and and so it's great to like get get a first try uh, but you know how are these brands going to stick out and now you know with there's so many of these uh, active nutrition brands that are, are shifting uh, for line expansions from you know they always start with their powdered pre-workout and a lot of times it becomes a liquid like an RTD version of that and then you know a lot of them have realized that actually let's just market it as an energy drink there's a much wider audience and people aren't just going to think about it before they go to the gym they'll think about it for their daily energy uh but that that's a crowded space now too because uh, you know it's a it's a copycat uh category 
And so, so how are brands sticking out from there? The formulations, it's, it's really interesting to see. And so, you know, each store is looking a little different. A lot of the specialty ones, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, some of our specialty store um, accounts on here. So, you know, we have uh, our exclusive data relationship with Vitamin Shop. We also recently added GNC to the mix. I'm not sure if you know about that one. And so, you know, some shelves like that are now becoming the innovation hubs. Whereas for a lot of the grocery aisles, uh, you know, we, we know that the natural channel is the innovation hub, but for a lot of these performance energy drinks, we're still seeing specialty um, along with online, of course, uh, playing a big role in innovation there. Now, I want to give some love to the, I guess, sports drink side of this. And I think there's also a lot of innovation or iterative kind of jumps that happened in that space as well. I don't, I guess, think it was as much on maybe the your product attribute side of things. So, you know, again, going back to some earlier comments, like that maybe is why you're not seeing, you know, as things shifting as quickly. But if you think about, you know, Gatorade and their use of even the way they marketed things to, you know, the sports, uh, you know, individuals and utilizing uh, sports endorsements like Michael Jordan. And then, you know, everybody kind of learned from that and learned from their, you know, expertise there. And you had, you know, brands coming out, if it was even, you know, I was thinking, you know, you had all sport, you know, back in the day, I don't know if that's still around anymore, but you had also, you know, Powerade and all those kind of players in body armor, you can see that as well, or even like, you know, BioSteel, you know, there's still a ton of utilization of sports marketing uh, and just athletes endorsements and things. And I think each one has learned a little bit of how to maybe adapt that a little bit where you had body armor having a lot of these athletes on their cap table, you know, when they were raising money or, or just having them be a part of the company. So it was a little bit more of an authentic voice. And then I think things shifted maybe outside of the beverage, you know, I guess if we're thinking about liquid side of hydration, you had like liquid IV kind of democratize that category and start to think about hydration needs or, or or pitching it to people that maybe weren't looking at, you know, I need to get this sports drink uh, in my body because of this athletic performance uh, deficiency thing that was happening in my body. Like they, they were consuming those products for much different reasons. And then that, I think, created a little bit of a morphing that created the effects like Prime, where you have Prime kind of, again, democratizing it, also kind of throwing a little bit of a spin on on sports because you know, both of those, I guess, creator co-founders have really leaned into um, different, you know, aspects of, of sports and competition, but they are, you know, front and center as, as ownership um, and putting themselves out there a little bit more as a creator packaged good brand. But you're seeing those jumps in evolution over time. A lot of things are built off of each other, it seems like, in the sports drinks uh, category. And I, I love how you brought up the hydration category because you're seeing, I think it just shows how you're seeing the desire for hydration in general. And so hydration, you know, the, you know, the hydration supplements we've seen, I, I, should, I don't have that data in front of me right now, but I think it was growing something like 75% year over year. But you see that to your point, it's not just people who are looking to, you know, do intense endurance athletes. 
um, who are, but it's people who are, you know, a big thing is they're marketing people for like hangover cures. They're drinking it the next day. And so you're seeing some of that spill over, you know, a brand that that's gained a lot of steam this past year's, uh, I hope I've said it, the, P, the Pedialyte version of the sports drink Electrolyte. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're doing really well. And, you know, uh, so a lot of these brands, I know, you know, a lot of people I know used to grab the Pedialyte after a night out as a way and Gatorade the same way. And so you're seeing, you know, brands become more savvy on how to use social media and their influencers and just marketing in general to get away from only the only sport. Um, it's still, of course, that's the primary function. Uh, it's a you know, sports drink, a hydration drink. But you're seeing you know, other ways to, to market these products. And we are seeing that um, sports drinks in general are up. 10% over the last 52 weeks. Um, but I do want to call out, they're actually down in units. And this is from the natural, conventional, plus convenience store data. And so, you know, a lot of that's the price increase, whereas energy drinks, and I just want to get it in because we want some data points there. Um, energy drinks in the same channel are up in both dollars and units. It's really showing that explosion of the category. Still, you know, the majority of sales coming from the convenience channel, as you would expect. Uh, but but yeah, both these segments, these functional beverages um, are growing in demand. People are a lot more cognizant of everything that they're consuming in their body. And so, you know, this doesn't mean there's no room for those indulgences, but they're making more conscious decisions when they want the indulgence. Um, and so having this, you know, sports drinks, these hydration products you know, coincide and, and you're seeing growth across the whole hydration aspect. And it's it's really People are willing to pay more because you're. I mean, you're still seeing seeing the growth. You know, even with 18% uh, ARP increase over the last 52 weeks for sports drinks. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up some of that data because I was thinking about some recent reports that I saw just on last four weeks of both of those categories, and I think that on the sports drink side, like you said, I think the volume was down or or basically flat but there was a pretty substantial price increase. So the category as a whole is still up, I think 15% or something. Again, this is last four weeks or something. So a lot of and things. We've, we've seen that across all, all like grocery categories. So I don't want to make it seem like this is like, this is an outlier. Most of the categories are up right now in sales and down or flat in units, just because you know, inflation is still much higher than, than most people would like. Yeah, the, the outlier comes what we we're talking about with the energy drink side. And I think we even mentioned it last time that, you know, if we looked at, you know, if you look at four week periods for the last couple of years, energy drinks have been this like breakthrough um, where it doesn't matter, you know, how much the price seems to be increased, if it's absolute price increase, or if it's something where it's just, you know, you're not getting as much uh, trade marketing or, or whatever that is, you are seeing that just continuously grow. And to you, to your point, I think that it's still up a few points on the volume for the last four weeks, and then price is still up double digits, small double digits. So you're still around that 14% plus uh, for the last four weeks. And that's putting this on pace, at least the energy drink side, to be a $20 billion US category. And I know I've thrown that number out a few times and people are kind of blown away by that because it just feels like a few years ago, this category was under 10 billion and now all of a sudden it's at 20 billion. It's like, where does this, this kind of stop? And I think it's, you know, kind of comes down to what we were kind of mentioning around some of these, I guess, players or brands that um, weren't 
around a few years ago in some cases, but um, the ones that maybe were, but were much smaller, things like a Celsius. I mean, Celsius is about an $800 million brand right now. That's, you know, crazy. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And then you have, you know, something so like this a C- growth has been incredible, and and Salicor as well. C4 at you know 350, a Ghost at, at 250, still tripling in terms of their year-over-year growth. And those brands, I mean, in the case of some of those, they weren't around a few years ago. And Celsius was around, but they were a much different brand. And that's really kind of taking hold. And and that's not to knock like a Red Bull or a Monster, because if you still look at their dollar consumption growth like they're still putting up massive numbers but their you know their base is so big that you know maybe it doesn't look all that impressive from a percentage standpoint but um it's just insane just the growth as a whole on you know both sides but what definitely energy drinks seem to be the one that just continues to blow my mind in the sense that you know when is that price elasticity demand going to hit where all of a sudden the volumes you know take a hit yeah, so you know, a few things pop in my head, and because of how mainstream energy drinks have become, now I I wonder if people are swapping out their morning Starbucks or their morning or the, whatever other coffee, and then a three dollar energy drink seems like a steal uh, when you when you're talking about some of these, you know, when you're talking about some of these food service, you know, the same thing, yeah. you know, we see grocery prices increase, it's still still a lot cheaper than eating at restaurants. And so uh, in certain ways, I mean, that's to me that I know more and more people are using ca- are drinking caffeinated beverage, higher amounts. But the, the growth has to be coming from from some because Red Bull and Monster, like you mentioned, it's not like they're it's not like they're they're doing poorly um, as these as these other brands are taking taking some a huge growth. And the brands you mentioned, you know, Cellucor, Ghost, Celsius. There and I know Prime just entering the energy drink yeah. space as well. So that's another based on their success in sports drink. That's definitely someone that we have to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, there's other brands. You know, First Form. You know, Rise. That that. So it's it's like you know I know you know we've talked about you know Bang obviously is going through a rough patch. So that's where some of the market share can come from. Uh, and you know I know you've done extensive content around kind of where you think think they're going to go, uh, but. I, I totally agree. Like, where's the, where's the ceiling for this? Um, is it is it twenty billion? Is it you know like where's the ceiling? How much is it going to cost? Five six dollars a can soon? Um, are people going to be willing to pay for it? Um, I I imagine you know that it is kind of that that first thing I said where people are shifting uh, maybe from getting caffeinated sources outside to outside the home to a grocery, and then the price doesn't seem that that bad. But when you compare it to things like we used to talk about, like powdered pre-workout, uh, you know, it's it's probably, you know, I guess I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit on, on some of these, some of the more trending pre-workouts here, uh, but I don't think it's three, four dollars a serving uh, like you're seeing in the energy drink space. Yeah, you mentioned in, in terms of, I guess, stealing share from some of these other, you know, energy, I call it like every, energy everything, where really it's just 
you know, this combination of just a consumer wanting to get a little bit more out of their day through some caffeinated or nootropic, you know, kind of feeling. So the original energy drink, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you are seeing that kind of shift around a little bit, especially as energy drinks become more mainstream. And it goes back to what we were mentioning right at the beginning about the history or the foundation. Energy drinks, at least in America, was marketed as like this party, you know, aspect. You know, that was the original. It was all on-premise. Red Bull's employees were trying to make it cool. So it needed to be at the clubs and it needed to be at these like really hip bodegas that were like younger kids drinking this stuff. And for the longest time, if you brought in an energy drink, you know, in a business meeting or something like that, people would look at you like, what the heck happened? Did you have a rough night the night before or whatever? But now you see it being accepted everywhere. There's no more like taboo aspects. I know that some, you know, international markets still love to hate on energy drinks and still love to try to do whatever they can to limit the consumption of them. But in America, it seems like it's legitimized to a point where I think a lot more people are are making shifts between energy drinks and coffee or RTD coffee, coffee at home. Is it, you know, supplements, whatever that is there, there's a little bit of this, you know, what am I going to choose today to get me to this, this point of being more energized or being more, you know, productive or, or whatever that is. And it's, you know, proven that regardless of, of price points or whatever, people are going to find a way to get their daily fix in. And I think you and I maybe have talked about this before that, you know, this whole idea, if it's coffee or energy drinks or whatever that is, like it's turned into this like must have item. It's like a vice item where like it doesn't matter what happens with the economy or what happens with pricing, like people are going to still seek those things because they need them. Yeah, people, you know, the last thing they're going to give up are things that that, you know, they they feel are either good for their health or in this case, probably good for their production. Um, and, you know, we know that mental, you know, focus, things like that is big, both in the supplement space as well as the energy space. And so that's why you're seeing more and more brands. They're going beyond just caffeine. Uh, you know, most of them are adding their L-theanine or certain nootropics. And so what like take yourself, for example, I always try to think like, what do I, what how's my behavior shifted? And so I was never a coffee drinker. Um, the, and I still will try to only have caffeine around workouts. Um, but I've shifted a lot of, away from powdered pre-workout products, which I still have and still use. I still use one today, actually. Um, but now, you know, at least half of my workouts are, are with an energy drink. And so, you know, curious, like, has your behavior shifted over the past five years towards energy drinks? Yeah, I mean, if I put on my, I guess, consumer jersey, I mean, I probably, I've never been a coffee drinker. I just don't like the taste profile. Um, But my energy drink consumption has went up. I think some of that's attributed to that I just work with a lot of energy drink companies that I just get a ton of stuff. They've also gotten so much better. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they've gotten so much better. and, And I just think that they've you know, added some different ingredients in some of these products. To your point, if they're nootropic or or some you know type of uh, ingredients, I, I mentioned a lot of times like Cognizant, but there's other ones out there that do a really good job. I think with you know focus and just helping you know brain health, brain activity. Like for me, because I'm con- I'm consuming not necessarily these pre-workout. I would say even though sometimes that's the case, I'm drinking them during my morning hours as my coffee replacement or whatever. So I'm looking for, you know, performance energy drinks, but more towards geared towards, I guess, the work environment over, you know, needing 
a bunch of beta alanine or, you know, things like that, yeah, where those things wouldn't be appropriate, I guess, for, <laughs> for my needs. Uh, but now the market, there's so many different things out there that I think, you know, I have the choice or, uh, you know, to make those decisions. And, and there's a, a good switch from when I was in college. I think a lot of times I consumed either a pill or a capsule form of some, you know, type of nootropic caffeine type thing or a powdered pre-workout or whatever, because that was what was readily available. And that was what, you know, maybe was priced effectively and it tasted the best or, you know, whatever it was. So it has changed a little bit, but um, probably not as much as some people that are like, you know, diehard coffee drinkers or, or anything like that. I think that, that, you know, that's, that kind of sells the big picture though. Whereas, you know, you take out, you, you have to expand as many use cases as possible. And we've seen that both for, uh, you know, energy drinks as well as, uh, you know, as well as sports drinks. So, you know, you take them kind of out of requiring the gym into the office, into your daily life, you know, as like, you know, you know, morning, your morning energy, everyone used to have their cup of coffee. And obviously, many people still do. We're seeing, you know, a rise in these uh, coffee RTDs as well. And a lot of those are doing well, which, you know, are direct competition with energy drinks, even though they're categorized a little different. Uh, but for energy drinks to become, you know, such a such a staple of the grocery store, such a staple of C stores, such a staple of many people's daily routines, you know, they had to get out of, you know, way back when, when it was, you know, the, the party scene, uh, then, you know, only fixated maybe on the workout scene. And it's really, really become, you know, like you said, and now, now in a work meeting at, at, at 8 a.m., you no one would bat an eye if you're drinking a performance energy drink, whereas, you know, that hasn't always been the case. And I think the same thing for a lot of these hydration and sports drinks. You know, we're seeing a big trend. One of the last ingredients that's really vilified is sugar. And so I think, you know, traditionally for, you know, for sport, you know, having sugar in there was, was a good thing, you know, replenish your glycogen. And so as you, as a lot of these, these categories evolve, they're having, they, they know that people don't want sugar in it. They want the electrolytes, they want the fluid. And so you're seeing a lot of the brands innovate that way in the same way that, you know, the energy drinks, I think we've talked about this when they are for, for workout, uh, you know, they, there used to be a thing where, you know, no, no active nutrition brand would make a carbonated beverage because it would upset. They thought it would yeah. upset your stomach during during workout. Turns out, no one cares about that now. They're all carbonated, and so I think this evolution to just kind of being part of everyone's daily routine, and you consistently see a lot of the over-indexing happening. You know, away from, I guess, young men, which is, which is what the, not not that they're not over-indexing, but they're not the sole over-indexers anymore. Uh, and it just shows kind of just the whole mainstream of the category. And again, you walk by walk in any expo trade show floor, the functional beverages are everywhere, the energy drinks especially. Um, but I would be I would do want to mention that there's a huge rise in non-energy functional beverages as well. Um, and you know that's something for mood, sleep, uh, just nootropics that aren't necessarily energy drinks as well. And so you know that's targeting a lot of the people who are, probably coffee drinkers, but want that extra functionality as well. And so you're seeing a big rise in those types of drinks as well. And I think that helps with the price price points also. Now, I want to look a little bit, I guess, predictive. A couple of years, you know, let's probably put on our um, our magic hats and see if we can 
you know, guess some of the things that maybe are going to affect both the energy and the sports drinks. I'm going to just kind of throw out one that, you know, arguably has played a big role into all this, even though maybe it doesn't get as much publicity from outside of maybe the the beverage people is that think about like the big beer or the, the brewing companies, uh, you know, and how they've been dealing with a shift in their market of a lot of these like you know beer occasions or drinking occasions starting to go away and and now consumers are you know kind of shifting their share of their stomach to other things and that's leaving them in this place where they have to diversify they have to replace uh, revenue they have to figure out where do we go for growth and because of that you're seeing them jump deeper into investment um, creation or just deeper distribution partnerships with sports and energy drink brands, which then provides those brands a better model to grow and grow quicker and having those be available in more distribution, uh, retail distribution points and things like that. So I think it's like an like an underlying force that's going to continue over these next you know handful of years, but it doesn't necessarily you know come to mind, I think first for a lot of people because you know they think it's maybe a product innovation thing or the product whatever. But I honestly think it's a you know, a, a counterforce that happened in another beverage market that then has driven this beverage market to have a kind of a multiplier of their of their growth. Yeah, and I, I think you could. I, I love that take, and I think you can make the case that you know it's happening for soda. You know, soda companies right now, and you know this is another carbonated beverage that you know if you wanted to kind of place them in similar categories. You know, a lot of these, especially with these candy, like, you know, sometimes they are doing these flavor partnerships with candies. And so I think, uh, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the big, you know, the big beverage companies have to partner with some of these innovative deals the same way we saw uh, alcohol, but also big CPG, you know, scooping up a lot of these innovative brands. Uh, because I don't think you could do everything in-house uh, when you're trying to kind of you know, owns, I mean, for such a big category to be growing at double digits, like this is crazy. Uh, so this episode is brought to you by Reese's peanut butter cups In breaking news. Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Another one I wanted to kind of mention was something that you commented on because you were just, you know, at Expo West and, you know, a lot of the attention gets placed on traditional energy drinks. But I do think there's those aspects of maybe if it's, tea-based, you know, if it's a matcha or, or an herba mate or, or things, that's starting to, I think, get a lot more momentum behind them. And that's also being driven by, I think, a lot of the natural trends and, and a lot of that stuff that's going on. But I do think that those are going to play a bigger role in the market. It's probably going to take a lot more time for those ones to, you know, make the biggest splashes out there. But I do think that those products are becoming more accepted by the overall American consumer. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we look at which one of the trends are going to have the biggest impact in the natural channel, you know, a lot of these energy drinks, 
are still using ingredients and sweeteners that aren't usually found in the natural channel retailers. And so I think, you know, while you're looking for that tea effect, you know, for a lot of these these core natural consumers, uh, something like tea based or coffee based, like we mentioned, you know, is really is really going to drive a lot of that innovation. I think, you know, we have to have like some of these kind of hero brands that really take it to the next level. Um, but but that's going to be, you know, a kind of a big competition, especially in that natural channel. Uh, you know, most a lot of times the innovation starts in natural channel, help uh, bleeds over there. But I think I mentioned earlier, this is kind of coming from kind of around the corner uh, in a lot of the specialty stores, a lot of the, this innovation in energy drinks. So there's some opportunity for the natural channel to continue to carve out, you know, maybe that looks like it's just an energy drink that's, you know, not using sucralose, it's using allulose, monk fruit or, or, or whatever. Um, but also, you know, being tea-based, also I, I think there is opportunity for non-carbonated things. And I think tea is kind of the and coffee are the perfect uh, basis for those. And so you can see a lot of innovation around that non-carb uh, energy drinks as well. Another point you brought up that I kind of want to reinforce is just the, I guess, democratization of the categories, um, being that it's no longer, you know, if it's energy drinks, it always was thought of as like male dominant type of category or in the sports drink side, you know, just the word sports drink. Um, has moved into hydration and you have then so many different if it's you know male female if it's different ethnic groups that you know some of these brands are either targeting directly through marketing reasons or product flavors or whatever that is or you know a number of other things that are kind of happening that I think are bringing in so many different types of consumers that are not only thinking about the categories differently, um, maybe using those products in a different way, but also feeling like the products are more aligned with them. And I think that that's going to continuously, you know, prove to be an effective way for these brands to grow. I know that you know, Monster does a really good job, I think, at a lot of their marketing towards uh, different groups, uh, but you're also seeing like, you know, targeted brands now being created or targeted flavors by some of these large uh, brands in both sides on, on sports drinks and, and energy drinks that are, I think, a, becoming really attractive for a number of different maybe groups that or consumer cohorts that maybe didn't feel like they were getting represented properly by these categories. Yeah, and that's a that's a terrific point. You know, with the when we talk about what's next for flavor innovation. As you, both you and I have said that we think that some of these like flavor collaborations, candy, cookie, whatever it is, has kind of peaked. Where's the room to grow next? And and so you see, you know, the global flavors, uh, you know, there's a huge opportunity to hit large parts of the population by bringing in some of these global flavors. Uh, I know you've done something in the past, and I, I talked to them as well, the advanced guys that make, you know, the esports supplements. I know they have that kind of motto for a lot of their powdered products. And so, uh, you know, having having energy drinks as well that that go for that those uh, those global markets and flavors is a great way to identify some some areas of growth. And I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention like these creator or celebrity packaged goods brands because I've been creating a ton of content around them lately. Some of the 
misstep ones and some that uh, had done extremely well because I'd like to try to show both sides of it because I feel like a lot of the headlines read, you know, these massive success stories and not to say that that should you know, change people's idea of creating these, uh, especially partnering with some of these creators or celebrities that can do wonders for, you know, the launch of a new product. But there's also just the downfalls of of them as a whole. They're not fail proof. They're not, you know, something where there's, yeah. there's no risk there. Gives you a good but buzz I, right away, but yeah. Yeah, but I do think because of some of those massive success stories, um, you know, we could point to one like a prime or you can even look at, you know, Zoa Energy is done decent um, in the market or whatever. But these beverage plays in sports and energy drinks that have done pretty decent, then I think attracts more celebrities and more creators into the market. Now, it could be a very bad thing for them because it doesn't matter if you are a if you are a megastar like the rock or if you are you know a mega creator like logan paul or ksi like there's still a ton of things that you need to know and do well in the beverage industry and it's still traditionally one of the hardest categories in cpg to be successful in so i think that it could be creating this like you know issue where a bunch of people are going to rush in uh and you know, get hit and, and slaughtered by the market. But uh, I do think regardless, people are going to jump into the market because they see the opportunity and they see those few breakthroughs and they go, I, I would love to be able to potentially sell one of my brands for, you know, a billion dollars or, or something like that, because it gets you out of at least even the rat race sometimes of creating a bunch of content or being in a bunch of movies or whatever it is. It starts to diversify these you know, celebrities or creators in a different way and puts them on a different pedestal. And that's attractive to a lot of them for, you know, a number of reasons, ego reasons or whatever that is. Um, so I, I think it's natural that there's going to be a ton more of these brands that get created and then a ton more stories of of probably failures and, and maybe a few that uh, end up doing well, you know. And I think, it. I mean, it's also, it's a cool space. Like this is a a cool industry to be in, you know, this functional beverage space. And I did want to throw out uh, you know, I'm also interested to see, I do like the Zoa brand, and I like how they kind of took a a step in, we talked about a lot of the sports nutrition brands making, you know, their powder pre-workout, then their RTD version, the collar pre-workout, and then moving to the energy drink. I like how they have their, now their energy plus pre-workout uh, drink on the market. I'm ex I haven't tried it yet. I'm excited to try it, but I, I like that. I like that zig zigging where others are zagging. Um, and so that is a a brand and a product that that I'm I'm going to keep looking out for. You know that obviously because you know it's the rock, the huge buzz going in uh, with the the regular energy drink. But also you're seeing a lot more of the dropping to the 12 ounces from the from the mm -hmm. 16. And so that's something again that I believe that Zoa pre workout plus pre-workout is. And so I think that's a trend that's going to continue. You saw it happen with Cellucor for their smart energy. Also, I don't know if they're still doing the 16 ounce can, but I know that they they moved to the, just the 12 ounce now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's going to be a trend uh, as well. Uh, you know, we saw everything again, go to the 16s for a while. Now I think they're coming back down to the 12, that traditional energy drink can. Uh, so those are those are a few of the things that I'm looking out for this year as well. This is a good transition into something I wanted to ask you right before I let you go. But outside of the Zoa uh, product, 
you know, maybe ones that launched recently, it could be just flavors or, or could be products or whatever, um, or ones that you know are coming in the horizon. Like, is there anything that's super exciting to you on either one of the categories? Uh, yes, actually, you know, I, I do love this category. My wife doesn't like walking the grocery store aisles with me because I, I get stuck in here trying to check out what's what's new and coming. Uh, the thing that one of the things that really caught my eye and it's in I think it's in the, you know, this the super coffee plus uh, with the athletic brew that collaboration. Yeah, I think that is a really cool, unique product. I've been a fan of both those brands as a consumer. Uh, I, I believe that's probably a limited time time offering. So I'm excited to try that one as well. Uh, the uh, the uh, country time lemonade flavor of rise. I'm excited to try that one. I don't know. Is that a limited time as well? I don't know if it's limited time. I know that one's on my list as well because uh, I've mentioned a few times and actually before Rise announced that they were working with Country Time that I said, if I was going to launch an energy drink, like, and I was thinking about to the nostalgic yeah. storytelling of my past, when I was, you know, growing up playing baseball as a youth, like that was what we mixed in those big thermoses with a bunch of hose water was like the country time, uh, you know, powder. And I remember drinking that for years and years and years and ended up being like, you know, good luck charm or, or something like that, where then I just continued to drink it for so long that now I'm excited because I haven't drank it in so long. So I was excited about that one um, specifically. I know another one that I think just maybe just came out was from Chris Bumstead. He's doing like the Bum Energy, which it's got some unique soda can. Yeah, it has like I think you know one. It looks a lot different than a lot of the other brand uh, brands because they're doing a traditional twelve ounce soda can. Um, And then it's also I think maybe one hundred and twelve or so milligrams of caffeine. It has some cognizant in it. It's like a pretty basic. Um, lower stim product, which I think is, again, you know, when we're talking about zigging and zagging and, and how to move against yeah. the the grain, that one would be arguably moving, Sticks out. Yeah. you know, against the grain. So I've heard, you know, it tastes good and, and all those types of things, but just from a product look and feel, it just seems much different. So that one, you know, naturally, I think, jumps off the page a little bit to um, be interested in. I think if you haven't tried, maybe you have tried the the C4 Smart Energy, the new ones, like some of those flavors um, that they've redone. And, and I, again, I, I love the original 16 ounce flavors and, and I drink those a lot, but some of the flavors that they kind of redid and have new uh, for the 12 ounce sleek canned ones, um, those ones are really good. I got to try like all of them when I I went there for their South by Southwest uh, marketing activation. You know, those uh, handful of things, I know that there's probably a ton that I'm missing uh, that I haven't uh, thought of uh, a lot because yeah, now I, I feel like there's... It's a really great It's a really great space right now. So many brands, uh, you know, I know we've talked about ones that are, you know, both the largest and then those that kind of next level that are, you know, just killing it. Uh, there's a lot of small brands too that that are doing really really well and so you know i enjoy trying those out as well uh with you know without just rattling off the long list um but i'm i'm excited you know the innovation pipeline for this space is just really limitless like i said at expo you can see everyone wants to do a functional beverage um i i'm interested to see i'm continuing to to be interested in how people uh can limit limit the caffeine but still make it as functional as possible i think that's something that that really makes it 
it it like a, a diverse drink. Uh, there's a cool there's a cool brand I saw at Expo called Center, and so they had you know the Cognizant. They had a few other branded ingredients. There's, they had a version with caffeine. I thought that was one of the cooler uh, products. I saw they were up for a next D at for for Expo as well. I guess one question for you, because I just recently tried these. I don't know if you've had, and this maybe is the perfect segue for us to go. Is that there's becoming this mashup maybe of um, ones where like the Gatorade fast twitch. Have you tried those ones where it's like half sports drink, half energy drink? I have, I had fast twitch probably 15 years ago when it was, <laughs> it was, uh, I think it's probably 15 years ago, right? Yeah. So it, like a cytosport like product. Cytosport yeah. fast twitch. Um, I have not had the, the new re resurgence uh, of the product yet. I am interested to, to try that. Is the the push on that one to, to drink it before sport or is it like during? Is it an intra, like an intra energy drink? You know, we saw that space really carve out in sports supplements for a while. Or is that, you know, like fast, which was a pre-workout? Yeah, this is a pre-workout. I think it's 200 milligrams. It's non-carbonated and it has like the same electrolyte blend, I think, as the Gatorade products. But I don't believe it has the same amount of like sugars of like the traditional Gatorade or whatever. So it is really kind of pitched as a pre-workout. And this is, you know, what we were mentioning before, like everybody thought nobody would drink carbonation pre-workout. And then all of a sudden you saw everybody carrying around a bang in the gyms and you're like okay i guess nobody cares uh, but i still think there's a market probably for people and especially if you are probably the you know the gatorade um core customer that they think of when they have this aspirational brand aspect of it like the most elite athletes i would imagine they probably don't want to drink a bunch of carbonation before their workouts maybe just you know regular uh, Josh and 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 average uh, Scott, we don't care. But like, you know, I would say that uh, you know one of the most elite athletes in the world probably don't want to mess with uh, some of those things. Well, I did see that on the shelves, and so you know, again, you know, bring, bringing a lot of these flavors back, these products back. That's one of the first first products I tried 15 years ago, probably. So, yeah, different different type of nostalgia for us back to our early. Uh, consumption of supplement days, maybe not our childhood nostalgia, but our uh, adulthood, uh, you know, trying to get healthy nostalgia. But uh, Scott, appreciate all the time, appreciate all the insights. And um, we'll probably see you again in three months, because now we're going to maybe do this again. So if anybody, I think is listening or watching this whole time, um, first of all, thank you. Secondly, if you have any opinion on what you would like Scott and I to focus on in the next one, then uh, I'll take that opinion in mind. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Always a pleasure. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 